Welcome to the Business in Vancouver podcast. I'm Tyler Orton, and this podcast is brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors, my regular co-host, Haley Wooden. She's not in this week, but we do have our colleague, Albert Van Sanford. Albert, thanks for joining us on the show today. Thanks so much for having me, as always. So, Albert, we always like to pick apart kind of the business news stories that have caught our attention this past week, or at least within the last few days. Tell me, sir, what, uh, what what's grabbing your attention right now? Well, I don't know if you've heard, but there's been some kerfuffle about these proposed tax changes from the Ministry of Finance. Yeah, only for the last like two or three months, right? Yeah, you might have heard a little something yeah. about it here or there. Um, there's been a lot of concern from business groups, businesses themselves, about what these uh, tax changes will mean. One of the biggest concerns was regarding passive investment, which is when you uh, make money within your company and, st- and you keep it in there and invest it in what are called passive vehicles, so like stocks, bonds, and rental income, and uh, you invest- It's it- essentially helping a lot of small businesses during like down periods as well, right? Precisely. That, yeah. That's the point. It's you make a little bit of money, maybe you don't want to invest it this year, you save it, get a little tax break, and then later you can spend it and invest it in your own business. Now, those changes that were going to uh, happen to the passive incomes, uh, restrict who can access it, limit them, uh, are being changed. They're being done away with. There's a threshold now of $50,000. If you uh, make $50,000, it's not going to be taxed. Anything over that is going to be taxed. And what that relates to is about a million dollars in savings at a 5% return. What do you think this signals with regards to how Ottawa is approaching this? They've certainly... I don't think they imagined kind of the backlash that they were going to get from this. and I, But it, it surprises me that they did not really anticipate what happened here. Yeah, well, um, many people have called uh, it an extended honeymoon phase. And this really <laughs> uh, brought that uh, honeymoon to an abrupt close. But, you know, I talked to uh, Dan Baxter this morning uh, about this. And he said that it, it, this is a step in the right direction and that you know, it looks like a lot of the things ha- that they wanted to get addressed have been addressed. When I said, what else do you want to see done? He said, um, when it comes to the tax proposal specifically, that a lot of the changes we wanted to see happen have happened. And they're just sort of waiting for the details so that they can get into it and see how it will actually affect these small businesses. Uh, Dan Baxter from, is that the CFIB? Yes. Sorry, okay. uh, the chamber. Sorry, I thought I mentioned that. The, the BC Chamber of BC Commerce. BC Chamber. Okay. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Not CFIB. Uh, well, I'll tell you what's uh, catching my eye, though, is Uber. We uh, don't have Uber here in Vancouver. Albert, you're from out east. Uh, we call everything uh, east of the Rockies east. East, yes. Yeah, but uh, tell me, I, I mean, is this surprising de- seeing how we are kind of tackling this ride-sharing uh, business versus where you know, you're from originally? You know, I, I came out here right when uh, Uber was kind of just getting popular, uh, yeah. especially in Ontario. So I didn't use it much. Whenever I go back, you know, I it's funny because I never hear my friends say, let's get a cab or let's uh, let's take the bus. It's always let's let's order an Uber through their phone. And it, it is surprising with Vancouver is supposed to be this tech hub, this new, cool, innovative place. And we we're still calling cabs the old fashioned way. Yeah, well, uh, Andrew Weaver, he's the BC Green Party leader. He said that on Thursday, October 19th, which is when we're recording, we might be a little bit out of date when this uh, hits the ears of listeners, but he was going to put forward a private members bill to get regulated ride sharing here in BC. Because he just does not believe it's moving fast enough when we look at what the big provincial parties had promised during the election during the spring. BCNDP, they're putting forward a consultation process. Uh, We can expect, according to them, a firmer answer sometime in 2018, which is, you know, I I can't say I'm surprised by the NDP doing this. They've kind of been uh, backpedaling on some of these 
promises with regards to ride sharing. I just also have to put myself in, in uh, other people's shoes. If you look at all the problems that we've seen with regards to regulations across different jurisdictions, City of London said that it's going to revoke Uber's operations license in uh, according to their transportation authority. I think that's bringing Uber to the table. We're going to get a bit of a negotiation there. I think a lot of that has to do with, say, background checks, safety issues with regards to these drivers. Uh, Quebec said, uh, yeah, we're going to implement new rules, regulations here. And Uber said, well, we'll leave. Uber did not leave. They finally relented a few days ago, saying, no, well, I, I guess we'll stick around. Other jurisdictions are having a lot of problems with these guys. We see maybe the argument here is BC's just taking it slow to get it right, but it's been extremely slow in British Columbia, like more so than any other large city across North America. So I, I, I think we have a lot more waiting to do when it comes to ride sharing here. Yeah, and it's sort of interesting. BC kind of waited too long and waited to the point where now other jurisdictions are reconsidering their initial yeah. uh, decision to let Uber in. So, so maybe yeah. we we're clairvoyant this entire time. I, you know what? Why why not call it that? Yeah. <laughs> give us give ourselves a little pat on the back. But I mean, have you been able to go to? I mean, other like I, I'll say whenever I'm down in the United States, I will use uh, you know one of those ride sharing services just because it's easier than. I don't know, figuring out what the local you know, taxi company is called, dialing them on my phone. I'd rather just use my data plan to use the app. It's just, it's that matter of convenience. And I would like to have some sort of modernization here in BC too. What, what I find surprising is with this sort of leeway that the taxi industry has gotten, you think you would see some innovation in that department. I mean, I know when I call a yellow cab, for example, now I can actually watch where my driver is, which seems like some uh, movement in that direction. But where where is, you know, the almost in the innovation from uh, from our taxi industry to sort of uh respond to this market need well, and desire for uber it's a very old industry yeah. i think it's very monolithic in its approach and i don't know if this traditional taxi industry is going to be the one to lead the way to lead the charge when it comes to technological change i think what you need to do what we're experiencing here is have a bit of an outsider presence to spur this change I, I think the taxi industry is going to is going to be forced to do something drastic because how else can you compete at this point? And and it's interesting watching the uh, the BC NDP react, knowing that a large part of their base is is from uh, Surrey yeah. and these these uh, these jurisdictions that really depend on the taxi industry for their livelihood and for their well being. Yeah. Well, this podcast is brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. Manning Elliott has been providing expert accounting assurance, business advisory, tax, and valuation services to businesses in the Lower Mainland and Fraser Valley since 1952. If you're serious about taking your business and brand to the next level, if you want an accounting firm that'll be there to help you every step of the way, give Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors a call at 604-714-3600. At 604-714-3600, or else check them out on their website at manningelliot.ca. Albert, anything else catching your attention? Well, you know, Sears is always seemingly in the news for the past couple of months, and uh, they just announced that they will pay the final $2.8 million in retentious bonuses <laughs> yeah. to the 36 office heads, which... Uh, May be a little upsetting to uh, some Canadians, particularly the 16,000 employees that they recently let go without any severance. Well, I would say, okay, the argument was that if 
Sears Canada is able to salvage itself and get out of this insolvency problem, then the bonuses were meant to be paid at that point. They want to retain these people to, you know, prevent, you know, this this big bankruptcy. The issue here, though, is the company is liquidating. It, it it's done, so they're still going to pay out the bonuses. That's why, I, look, I can understand the argument why you need these retention bonuses to save a company, but the company's no longer going to be saved at this point. So I understand why people would be angry at this. Yeah, they, from my reading of it, is they weren't. So- they were going to limit the payments if uh, the restructuring plans failed. They did, and they're not going to. They're going to yeah. pay out the full. It's going to end up being six point five million uh, since their uh, original announcement. And and I looked up some stats. The average uh, Canadian CEO makes one hundred and fifty nine times the average worker. So that's just a little bit of context. And I'm just curious as to what what the backlash for from the public is going to be i mean it doesn't so much matter for sears anymore but will this sort of continue the sentiment sentiment that big companies are not very helpful to small canadians Uh, yeah but maybe to be devil's advocate it's like yeah maybe that sentiment will persist but so what like what that's that's totally fair like what are you going to do like next time somebody goes insolvent you're going to like wring your fists in the air it's kind of like yeah and these guys i mean i I don't know are we going to have like mobs sent to their homes because they get these bonuses i probably not i think what hopefully not i think what it it could bring attention to though is maybe more workers rights because we see twelve thousand people losing their jobs they're not getting these giant retention bonuses at this point. A lot of them are, are having a lot of hardships with just the, the, let's be honest, the very minuscule sums that they are be, being provided in wake of severance uh, or instead of like a, a typical severance. So I hope this would bring attention to kind of the rights of workers as well. But, uh, you know, uh, on the show, on the radio show, Roundhouse on 98.3 FM, we actually discussed uh, the impacts that could have on, say, uh, the tenants of uh, these malls because these are landlords looking for anchor companies. If an anchor company gets up and disappears, well, how is that going to be a draw for uh, customers and, and then getting those customers to other merchants across the store? That could be a difficult prospect too. And that'll also be a difficult prospect specifically for the smaller, less popular malls. You know, the bigger yeah. malls have been adapting. They're sort of figuring out their way around it. It's these small malls who have long depended on the rent revenue from these big anchor stores like the Bay, like Sears, that are now kind of looking around going, well, with all, with just the general trend of brick and mortar stores, what are going to happen to to the small malls out in Metro Town? Or- well, one of the things... Um- Retail insiders Craig Patterson, we spoke to him on the radio show, and they have a story up. And they look into the fact that a lot of these landlords, they're looking at you know multiple tenants in these big, big locations. So instead of just trying to find the next Sears Canada, which I think is an impossible prospect at this point, you know, the the, the only candidates may already have kind of a tendency at the, a mall already. Maybe just fill it up with smaller stores that don't need as much floor space as Sears does. And that could be a little bit more interesting, though. Like, um, I'm just thinking about it from the perspective of kind of store layout. I don't know if you just walk into a place that has multiple vendors, multiple uh, merchants there. I, I don't know. It kind of creates kind of a a market sort of appeal. Uh, I I think people might actually like this idea, and I think it lends itself to consumer trends. I think people are moving away from these big department stores to the more boutique, yeah, 
guests with the brand names with their boutique store. I don't think people want to necessarily buy their sweater from the same place that they buy their washing machine anymore. When was the last time you uh, maybe shopped at Sears? Albert, do you recall? <laughs> this is probably embarrassing for somebody from my generation, but most of my clothes are from like the Sears and Bay. Ah, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm uh, I'm not the most you're, fashion you're, savvy person. You're uh, pooping on my point, but uh, <laughs> it, it, it's okay. Sorry. Uh, no, because- Although I mean, the shirt I'm wearing is from H&M, so there, there you, you can still make your point. Yeah. I, I mean, my point was like, I- Talk to my friends, uh, family. I don't know the last time anybody really visited a Sears, and I think that's part of the problem. It's not really that kind of hip sort of place that you would find at other stores in the mall. So, And I like going there because there's nobody else there. Nice there quick go. line. Everybody wants to help me. <laughs> well, did. Now, maybe not, not so much anymore. anymore yeah. but. Well, uh, Albert, if anybody wants to find more about you on Twitter, social media, where can they go? You can uh, you can look me up on my uh, Twitter handle. It's S A D. J-O-U-R-N-O-A-L. That's Sad Journal Al. Yes, Sad Journal Al. Just uh, a little perspective into the current events <laughs> we're living through. Fair enough. Uh, you can find me at Reporton. That's R-E-P-O-R-T-O-N. Or else go find my stories as well as Albert's stories at BIV.com. Thank you for listening to the Business in Vancouver podcast.